Why don't we all stand, first of all? Can you all hear me okay? This is not too loud. I feel like it's a little loud. Let's see how we go. Praise the Lord. And before we begin, why don't we just bow our heads and let's just open up in prayer this morning. Precious Jesus, what a privilege it is to be in your house today, Lord God. There is no other place we would rather be, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can be here today. Jesus, have your way, Lord. Let your will be done, Lord God, I pray, in our hearts, in our minds, as we open up your word and study. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. you may be seated this morning. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue on with the series that we started a few weeks back, and I do want to apologize for those who uh, watch our live stream. If you're watching our live stream or if you uh, listen to the podcast, we had a technical error last week. Uh, technically, the pastor forgot to plug in his phone, so the audio quality was terrible. But I see the cord is plugged in today, so we should be good. But uh, we're going to continue on. And uh, for those of you who are new to our church, this is our life class portion, and, and we've been engaged in a four-week study on the oneness of God, and this is the fourth week. We're going to finish this off this week. Um, and then we have our break, then we have our worship service with the singing, and then we have our main service after that, where we have the preaching of the Word, amen? But we're going to continue on to recap from last week. You will remember that we spoke about that the Old Testament and the New Testament both declare that Jesus is God. Amen. It was prophesied by the prophets. It was confirmed by the disciples and by the writers of the epistles. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 1 that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Amen. And then the verse 14 of John chapter 1 says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. And you'll remember that we spoke about how in Isaiah, Yahweh, the one God of the Old Testament, he said, I am God alone, and my glory I will not share with another. He refused to share his glory with anybody else. And we know the Old Testament says there's one God. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So there's one God, and this one God refused to share his glory with anybody else. And yet Jesus Christ, the Bible says, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You'll remember also that Philip came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long, Philip, and yet you do not know me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Amen. Now we know the Father is a spirit. Nobody can see a spirit. Amen. They're invisible. And yet the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16 that God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. God became visible. God was revealed in Jesus Christ. God was manifest in flesh. And so when we look at Jesus Christ, we are looking at the Father manifest in flesh. That's what the Bible teaches us. Amen. Amen. So this was last week. We also spoke last week that Jesus holds all the attributes of God. Now, what are some of the attributes of God? You remember we spoke about how God is omnipresent. God is everywhere at once. And yet Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So Jesus and God are both omnipresent. They're everywhere at once. They share attributes. They're all knowing. Right? God knows everything. And yet Jesus knew everything. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, go into the city, 
you'll find a donkey tied up at this house, grab it, bring it to me, and if anyone tells you, this is, asks you what you're doing, this is what I want you to say to them. Jesus already knew what was going to happen before it actually happened. Why? Because he was God manifest in the flesh. Amen? Jesus was both fully man and fully God. And that is the part of the incarnation that we don't understand. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. How can Almighty God, the creator of the universe, this one God that we've spoken about, be manifest in the flesh? How can he compress himself down and be 100% human and 100% God at the same time? He had a unique nature that nobody else has ever had and nobody else ever will. Amen. So we're going to continue on this morning. And again, we've got quite a few different scriptures that we want to go to today. But we're going to talk about Jesus' final commands because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We spent quite some time last week talking about how Jesus is God, right? But what about the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit fit into this? If we understand that there's only one God, then what is the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about that. After Jesus had been crucified and raised from the dead, he spent time with his disciples and over 500 believers. And during that time, he gave his disciples instructions because he understood that the work of the church, the mission of the church was going to be placed into the disciples' hands. So Jesus instructed them to go preach repentance and remission of sins in his name beginning at Jerusalem. And if you want to look it up, you can look up Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 15 to 16, talk about it, and so does Luke 24. But before they were to do this, Jesus gave them a very specific instruction. He told them that they were to wait in Jerusalem for a specific reason. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Say amen when you're there. I feel like that water is going to fall. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this in the New King James Version, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. So Jesus told them to wait for the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. Amen. And so they did that. They waited in the upper room in Jerusalem. They waited for the promise of the Father. Now, Pentecost, and this is where we get the term Pentecostal from, Pentecost is the fourth spring feast that was celebrated by the Jews. This is important, so pay attention. Okay, try not to get distracted by the kids making some noise, okay? Pentecost is the fourth spring feast that was celebrated by the Jews. It was the end of the spring barley harvest, and it was, <laughs> it was the start of the summer wheat harvest, amen? And the feast of Pentecost was about remembering the time when God came down on Mount Sinai and wrote the laws, the Ten Commandments, in stone for His people. Right? That was the other thing they were celebrating. So they were celebrating the end of the barley harvest. 
They were preparing for the start of the wheat harvest, but they also remembered the time when God came down and visited them on Mount Sinai and wrote his law on tablets of stone. Okay? So it's Pentecost. That's the time that they're in. But if we look at Jeremiah, grab your Bibles. I want to read you a prophecy from the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 31, there's a prophecy here that I want to read to you. Say amen when you're there. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 31, the Bible says this, Behold, in verse 31, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the covenant. So Jeremiah is prophesying that one day, even though we celebrate at Pentecost the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Sinai, one day there'll be a new covenant that will replace that one. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amen. So Jeremiah was prophesying of another time in the future where God would come down and meet with his people again. And rather than giving them a law that was written on stone, this time he would give them a law that was written on their hearts and on their minds. Amen. So how would it be possible for God to write his law on the hearts of humanity? How is that possible? Let's turn to the book of Joel. We see another prophecy here. This is in the Old Testament now, Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, say amen when you're there. It says this, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. Fast forward now in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were standing amen suddenly these men and women who were doing what Jesus had told them to do to wait for the promise of the father in Jerusalem suddenly they experienced the presence of God among them and consuming them and God himself spoke through those people that he filled amen And to prove that this was God, the Holy Spirit which lived in them spoke through them in languages that they had not heard before. Amen? They were languages that they didn't know. They were speaking in other tongues. Praise God. And and, and bystanders looked at this. They were confused. 
Because Jerusalem, remember, it's the Feast of Pentecost. So Jerusalem was full of people who had come from all around, from different countries and different regions, all speaking different languages. And they're there in Jerusalem. And suddenly this event happens in Acts chapter 2. And people come flying out of this upper room and they're speaking in other tongues and worshiping God. And people who from other countries are hearing these people speak in their home languages. Speaking in their own tongue. And they're saying, what do they're glorifying God? But we don't understand what is this about. Amen. See, this is what was happening. And so the experience of the Holy Ghost was not just random. It was not some random thing. But this is where the Spirit of God was coming and writing His law on their hearts and giving them something else that was going to guide them rather than the law of Moses. This is that that was prophesied by Joel, amen. And so some people were really confused by this. Even though it wasn't random, even though God knew it was coming, even though it was a fulfillment of prophecy, some people thought they were drunk. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 13, some people said, these men are drunk. What are they on? What is going on here? They're out of control. And they began to mock them, amen. And so Peter stood up. Let's go back to Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, say amen when you're there. If you look at verse 13, you can see others mocking, saying they're full of new wine. They're, they're, they're drunk. But Peter, verse 14, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It was 9 a.m. in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes back to that prophecy we read earlier in the book of Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your manservants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. Peter preached to them and said, no, 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 this is just a fulfillment of prophecy. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit that Joel told us about, and it's the writing of the new laws on our heart that Jeremiah told us about. Amen. He's preaching to them. Peter preached and he explained to them that you've killed the Messiah. You have killed Jesus. Amen. And, 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 and we read in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, the Bible says, they were cut to the heart. It really hurt them. And they said to Peter and John, men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we going to do? You've got to understand, these Jewish believers thought, we have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. And He's come and we've missed Him. Can you understand how terrifying that would be for someone who was a Jewish believer to think this is what our fathers waited for and our forefathers and our grandfathers, they waited for the Messiah and we missed it. Men and brethren, what are we going to do? And then Peter said to them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peter's sermon that day resulted in the salvation of 3,000 people. And that event marks the beginning of the church. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the beginning of the church. Amen. God made his presence known to this group of believers in an outstanding way in this initial outpouring of his Spirit. And the coming of the Spirit was accompanied by two manifestations. I said one of them before. There was a mighty rushing wind and there was a cloven tongue like as of fire. Amen. And you got to understand, people would be going back to what John had said, John the Baptist. There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlatch. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. Now, where does the word Holy Spirit come from? Or well, sometimes we might use Holy Ghost. Well, we know that God is holy. Amen. The Bible says that over and over and over again. The Bible calls him the Holy One of Israel. The Bible says in 1 Peter, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy. Amen. So we know that God is holy. We also know that God is a spirit. Right? John 4, 24. Amen. I've quoted this a few times. Now the Lord is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. John 4, 24. So God is a spirit. Now we know there's only one spirit of God. Let's, let's actually look that one up, because this is important. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Bible says, but one and the same Spirit, talking about the gifts of the Spirit now, which we're not going to get into, but the important point is here, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. There's only one Spirit. There's only one God. God is holy. God is a Spirit. So we call Him the Holy Spirit. Amen. God is a Spirit. Amen. So the term Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit is simply God in operation. But do we find that in the Old Testament as well? Is Holy Spirit just something that's in the New Testament? Well, let's have a look. Genesis chapter 1, right back at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God. God is holy. God is a Spirit. God's Spirit moved on the face of the waters. Here's another scripture from the New Testament talking about the Old Testament. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 says, The prophets of old were moved by the Holy Spirit. God operated with His Spirit in the Old Testament. So Holy Spirit is not just something that we find in the New Testament. Holy Spirit is something that is in operation throughout the whole Bible. Amen. Because God is holy and God is a Spirit. Amen. So if... Holy Ghost is simply God. Why do we actually need that term then? Good question, isn't it? You see, the term Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost emphasizes an aspect of God. It's not a separate person, but it emphasizes an aspect of God that is holy 
that is omnipresent, that is invisible, that is everything that God is, but that can interact with our hearts and can fill us. Amen. And so when we use the term Holy Spirit, what we are saying is that this one God that we serve, this almighty God of the universe, the creator of the world, the creator of mankind, that spirit can work in my heart. And not only can he work in my heart, but he chooses to work in my heart. He wants to fill us with his spirit amen the bible says that the promise is unto you acts 2 verse 39 and to your children and to all who are afar off even as many as the lord our god shall call amen so when we use the term holy spirit we are reminding ourselves that there is a god who is active in our lives and active in our families and in our church and in our communities and we can feel his presence it's saying he's not a far away god he's not someone who's distant from his people he's not someone separated by a vast chasm who looks at us with indifference but when we say he's a holy spirit he's we're saying he's working with us he's here right now his presence is in this room amen that's what we mean when we say it's the holy spirit and so we're reminding ourselves of god's invisible work among us and his ability to anoint and baptize and fill and dwell in us aren't you glad for the holy spirit this morning amen now remember the basis that we started all of this, Shema Israel, Yahweh Elhenu, Yahweh Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we know that there is only one God. The Jewish people were taught after that in verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Amen. So, we spoke last week that the Holy Spirit, that, that Jesus is God, manifest in flesh, amen? And when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. But what about the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit fit into this? John 3.16 shows us that God is the Father. And Jesus referred to, his, to the Father as his own Father many times, right? For God so loved the world, John 3.16, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we know that God is a father, and we know that the man Jesus Christ referred to God as his father many times, amen? As a matter of fact, if we have a look at this, uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. So we know that Jesus called God his father. So who was the father of Jesus? God, right? Not a trick question, but look at this. Matthew chapter 1. Let's start from verse 18, because I think this is important. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of what? The Holy Spirit. So is God the Father, Jesus' Father, or is the Holy Spirit Jesus' Father? Now that can be really confusing unless you know that there's one God, Holy Spirit. 
Then Jesus, or Jesus, then Joseph, rather, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of Mary, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus' father was the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. Amen. And Luke one thirty five tells us the same thing. So the Father is the Holy Ghost. And that shouldn't surprise us because we know that God is holy. We know that God is a spirit. So he's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're not bending any rules here. We're just saying there's one God. He's the Holy Spirit. He's God our Father. Amen. He's the Father of the man, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the Father. Amen. But moving back to Joel's prophecy, here's another example. God said, now remember, we're in the Old Testament, right? There's only one God, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And on that day, the Bible says in, God, in, in Joel, Joel prophesied, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Who was going to pour out his spirit? The Father, God. The one God of the Old Testament was going to pour out His Spirit. So it's not another person. It's not another little God or another demigod. It's God Himself being poured out. Amen. It's God's Spirit. Amen. And then Peter used this. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the one God, the Yahweh of the Old Testament. Amen. So if we know that, then how does the Holy Spirit connect to Jesus? Because if we know the Father is the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the Father. You with me? Amen. Then how does the Holy Spirit and Jesus connect? Could they be the same as well? Let's have a look at it. Acts chapter 2. We're going to flip to a few scriptures here because this is important. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. And you know, if this is the first... Um, First lesson you've heard, you've missed three weeks of teaching on this, so you're probably trying to catch up. And uh, we do have it on YouTube if you want to go and have a look at it. Acts chapter 2 and verse 24. Oh, no wonder, I'm not in Acts chapter 2, I'm in Acts chapter 24. That is making zero sense right now. Let's try that again. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Okay, start reading from verse 23, actually. Him, talking about Jesus Christ, this is Peter's message. Him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Whom, verse 24, God raised up. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. But, Let's have a look at something else. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. And if Christ is in you, 
The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. So in this passage, it's saying the spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So in one passage, we've got God raising Jesus from the dead. In another passage, we have the Holy Spirit raising Jesus from the dead. Amen. I realize I haven't quite got to where I wanted to get to yet. Let's carry on. The Spirit sanctifies us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. I'm not going to go to all these scriptures because we're running out of time. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. The Bible says the Spirit sanctifies us. But the very first verse in the book of Jude, Jude chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, verse 1, the Bible says the Father sanctifies us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says that our bodies are the temples of God. But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just a few verses on, the Bible says that our bodies are the temples, temple of the Holy Spirit. Right, So this is not confusing if you understand that there's not multiple gods here who are doing each other's jobs. There's one God, one Holy Spirit, one Father, one Son. It's just one God, amen? There's only one God. So the Holy Ghost is called the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and it's also called the Spirit of the Son. Now where we're at, where I want to get to. Amen. John chapter 6. Let's have a look at this. I'll slow down again. John chapter 6. So you remember we just read in Romans chapter 8, verse 11 that the Spirit will raise you from the dead, right? The Holy Spirit will raise the believer from the dead in the last days, right? When we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But look at this. John chapter 6 and verse 40. Jesus talking here. If you look in your Bibles, you'll see it's red letter. If you've got a red letter Bible. Verse 40, And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last days. So now you've got the Holy Spirit raising the believers in the last day, but Jesus is saying, I'm going to raise people in the last days. That's interesting, isn't it? Do we have two people? No, we've only got one. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to raise us in the last days. Amen. What about Romans 8 and 9? Let's have a look at this. Romans chapter 8. Actually, we read this already. Romans chapter 8. It says, The Spirit raised Christ from the dead. Right? Verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus dwells in you. So the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? But, look at John chapter 2. Verse 18. Say amen when you're there. It says this, so the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. 
Now, some people, including the Jews, thought, oh, well, you're just talking about the actual physical temple that's right there. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're saying that you will raise it up in three days? And Jesus, no, he's not talking about the temple. John tells us, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. He was saying, you're going to kill me, and in three days' time, I will walk out of that grave victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. But my point is that Romans says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the grave, and here Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to raise myself from the grave. He doesn't need another person to help him out. He can do it himself. Why? Because there is only one God. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 16. That he would grant you. Say amen when you're there. Ephesians 3.16, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that who may dwell in your heart? That Christ may dwell. So who dwells in our heart? Jesus Christ dwells in our heart. His spirit dwells in our heart. The Holy Spirit dwells in our heart. That Christ may dwell in your heart's through faith. Amen. God's Spirit dwells in our heart. The Holy Spirit dwells in our heart. The Spirit of Jesus Christ dwells in our heart. We're not talking about three or four or five or ten different spirits. There's one Spirit of God. There's only one God. And that one God dwells in our hearts. Amen. Another scripture for you. Again, I'm just showing you here that the, the term Holy Spirit describes the operation of Jesus in the church. Amen. Romans 8. Here's another one. Romans 8, verse 26. Same when you're there. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. What helps us? The Spirit. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So the Spirit is our intercessor. The Spirit intercesses for us. Amen. But look at this. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. Hmm. Verse 25. Now this is talking about Jesus. Because if you look further on in the chapter earlier in the morning, in early in the morning, earlier in the chapter of chapter 7, you've got to read the whole lot. But you'll see that it's talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. And talking about Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he, talking about Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. It's talking about Jesus as our high priest. Jesus Christ makes intercession for us. So is it the Spirit that makes intercession? Or is it Jesus Christ that makes intercession? Or do we understand? that since there's only one God, only one God makes intercession for us. Amen. The Spirit, Jesus Christ, God's Spirit makes intercession for us. Amen. They're not contradictory. 
They're just revealing that it is the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that is working in our hearts, working in our lives, and working in our church. Amen. Amen. Now, we're running out of time. I want to talk a little bit more before we get finished up about the evidence of the Holy Spirit. In the years following the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit continued to be poured out upon the believers. And then Scripture records some of these instances. The Holy Spirit, about eight years after what happened in Jerusalem, was, was poured out on the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Say amen when you're there. It says this, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Rather, the Jews were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, how did they know? How did they know that it was the Holy Spirit that had been poured out on their hearts? The Bible tells us. Because they heard them speak with other tongues. Amen. They looked at what was happening to Cornelius and they recognized this is the same thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost when we began to speak with other tongues. And now it's happening to these believers. That's why we know that it is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell on a group of believers at Ephesus. And when that occurred, the Bible tells us, they all spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. Amen. Everywhere we see someone being filled with the Spirit in the Bible, we see them speaking with other tongues. That is the evidence that God has filled their hearts. Amen. Speaking in other tongues. Speaking with tongues is the external sign that the Holy Spirit has descended. It's universal. It's the same across every culture, the same across every country, every community. It hasn't changed since the day of Pentecost when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with other tongues. Amen. Now, we don't chase tongues. We don't chase that. Come on, just speak in tongues. Yes, that's the Holy. No, no, no. Because we could get people filled with the Holy Spirit very quickly if that was the case. Sister Sally, just say, see my tie, tie, my tie, see my tie, tie, my tie, see my tie, tie, my tie. See, you got the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what it's about. It's not about just rattling off words in some repetition. But it's about God taking control of your mouth, your mind, your heart when you're fully surrendered to Him. And you lift your hands. And without you even being conscious of it, you begin to speak in another language as the Holy Spirit begins to work why? Because it means the Spirit of the Almighty God, the Yahweh of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, is in our hearts. Amen. Oh, what a privilege that is, hallelujah, to know that Jesus would live in my heart, to know that we can be filled with His Spirit. 
and what power that brings us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. The Holy Spirit is not just given so we can feel good about ourselves. It's not just given so we can pat ourselves on the back and say what amazing Pentecostals we are. No, the Holy Spirit is given so that we can be a witness to Jesus through everybody we meet and every person we interact with. The Holy Spirit is given so we can make a difference in our families and in our communities. Hallelujah. That's why we need the Spirit. Amen. You see this in the Bible. Peter, to put it politely, was a wuss. That might be a bit harsh. Maybe that's a bit harsh. But he was timid. He was afraid. But you see the change that happened when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders, they dragged them before them and said, we command you not to preach in that man's name. Peter looked that guy straight in the eyes and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. I'm not going to listen to what you said. I'm going to keep preaching Jesus. Hallelujah. Because that's what the Holy Spirit has done for me. Hallelujah. It gave them courage. It gave them boldness. It gave them confidence and insight. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit was for. And they needed that to fulfill the Great Commission. So do we. So do we. The Holy Spirit gives them power. The Holy Spirit provides comfort. John 14, 18 brings comfort. Amen. I tell you what, my friends, the number of times in my life where I've been alone and I've felt like there's no one beside me and I've not known where to turn to and I've lifted up my hands and begin to worship God. I'm not worshiping some altar. I'm not worshiping some idol. But God's Spirit in my heart begins to activate because He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He travels everywhere I go. Oh, and the comfort and the peace that I get from His Spirit. Hallelujah. He sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. We spoke about that. The Holy Spirit gives us words to say in times of persecution, in times of struggle. I don't worry about what I'm going to say if someone bails me up in the street and says, why do you believe what you believe? No, because I know in that moment the Holy Spirit is going to quicken and scriptures are going to be at a drop and words will begin to flow. And it's not me. It's not because I'm talented or special. No, it's because God's Spirit in me is reaching out to that person. Hallelujah. And so He intercesses for us and He gives us words to say, Amen. We may face persecution. We may face persecution for what we believe in. The disciples certainly did. We look at the way society is going and who knows what tomorrow holds. Amen. But with the Holy Spirit inside of us, God will speak through us. He will give us wisdom that is beyond anything that we possibly could understand. Amen. 
The Holy Spirit gives us knowledge. John 14, 26, the Bible says that His Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. Brothers and sisters, this is why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because it acts as a discerner to everything else that is out there in the world that would try and deceive you. The Bible says in the last days, there will be those that will say, look, there is the Christ. Over here is the Christ. Have a look over here. And the Bible says, don't believe them. You want to know how you're not going to believe them? Because God's Spirit is in your heart. And you're going to hear His voice. And He's going to say, no, 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 no. Listen to the voice of the Spirit right now. I've got what is truth. And I've got what is right. Amen. And so we need the truth of God's Word and the truth of His Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Why? Because our own ability is inadequate. We cannot tell without God's Spirit. God's Spirit is so important. As we all stand this morning, we're just about out of time. We're going to leave it there, I think. God's Spirit will direct us and it will provide words for us to speak to others. The number of times where I've met with someone and they begin to just ask a question. I can say something. It's not me. It's God's Spirit beginning to work. And God's Spirit will lead and guide us to people who are hungry and thirsty. That's why we need God's Spirit. That's why we need God's Spirit. Amen. As we lift our hands this morning, let's just begin to pray right now. Right now, Lord, I pray over my church, oh God. I pray for those, Lord, who have been filled with your Spirit, Lord God. That your Spirit, Lord, would be refreshed and renewed in their life, Lord God. Lord, that they would be sensitive to your leading. Sensitive to your purpose, Lord. Sensitive to what you've got for them, Lord God. And right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for those who have not been filled with your Spirit yet, Lord. That you would begin to work in their hearts, Lord God, through the rest of this day through the rest of this service, Lord God, as something would happen, Lord, and you would begin to work, oh God, that they would know that there is a God who loves them and wants to have a relationship with them, who wants to live in their hearts, Lord God. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.